Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will, um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands. and um, good thing. And apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any... Problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and bake. Come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Welcome back to me. Hi, Mark. It's Saturday Suckage. The Wake and Bay Club. How are y'all? You better have a lot to say, pal, because <laughs> I have been doing all of the work on this show for Yo, like the last month. Oh, yeah, hi, Mark. That, that, yeah, hi. Hi. Mark. Hi. Oh, hi, Mark. Like, I've done it all, so yeah. Yeah. speak up. Yeah. Speak. Speak. Well, I'm just going to sit need... back here and drink my, my sparkling <laughs> water and my accompanying cup of coffee. Tell us you, the story, you, Steve. You're just going to you're just going to take a month off. Is that like, you know you're counting up the hours? Like I got this hour off. I got that hour off. I'm exactly. My hour vacation. Well, I want to apologize to the Wake and Bake Club for my absence. I was suspended for a month because I continually passed drug tests. So they would test her pot, and I continually passed it. I'm ashamed. I apologize to the WB Club. But fortunately, with some help from two unlikely sources, uh, at the end of this week, I was able to fail the drug test and rejoin the kids on the Wake and Bake Club. So I'm here. So let's talk about, let's debate one of the worst, one of the most overheated days in sports. Is it the day the NFL schedule is released? 
or the day after Justin Fields practices against guys worse than he practiced against at Ohio State? What do you I think? I actually don't. I, I'll tell you what. I, it's, I, I love both. You know, I, I am a sucker. <laughs> I'm a sucker for all the peripheral stuff. I'm a sucker for the schedule day. I love the draft. I love the buildup. All the... This sort of made up, like the way Hallmark makes up holidays, the NFL yes. makes up important dates, and I have to admit, <laughs> I am a sucker for them. However, as one who is heavy on the Bears beat, I, I'm not really sure how we are supposed to pace ourselves when it comes to Justin Fields. And I hosted yesterday, and I made the executive decision that, yes, we will play every single word of the Zoom call with Bears reporters at rookie camp yesterday. But going forward, until there is some sort of decision made on which quarterback is going to start or where or something succinct about Justin Fields and when he will play or will not play, then I'm probably going to be pretty breathless in my reporting. I And I fully expect that. I, I know there's no other way to go. What else are you going to do? The Bears have yet another quarterback that they've taken in the first round. There are questions. There were a lot of things that seemed to be answered that they were already put them ahead of, of some of the other mistakes by the the general manager who keeps making intergalactic mistakes along with the coach. So so you want to I know I understand there's a whole new toy and I understand the breathlessness, but the the I the problem for me I guess is that trying to read as many reports and outlets as possible and everything he has to say. And then you step back and say, so what really matters? Well, what really matters is game one. That's what matters. And we're quite a ways away from that. But we have nothing else to do, so let's examine the quarterback. And everything seemed, you know, he's he's far more athletic, far more fit, comes from a far greater program than the mistake that was Mitch Trubisky. The problem is he was chosen in part by the guy who secretly chose Mitch Trubisky, and he was chosen in collaboration by the same people who collaborated on Nick Foles being the answer when Nick Foles was worse than Mitch Trubisky. So there's all sorts of doubt that is planted, and we learned, I guess, that he can get in and out of huddles. What did you say about collaboration? Okay. He can get in and out of huddles, and he can throw passes, which you expected, and the stuff you saw uh, that you saw at Ohio State, you saw in big games, all of that is far better far better on the permanent record. His curriculum vitae is far better than Mitch Trubisky. So he's already ahead there. And I understand that there is there's much to appreciate about that and you want to know about it because that's the only thing, that's the only kind of hope Bears fans have, that Justin Fields can overcome the idiocy that has been Ryan Pace, the questionable head coaching, the, the, the guy who doesn't always know the game that's in front of him or the quarterback who is in front of him in Matt Nagy, the historically bad, historically failing McCaskies and Ted Phillips, is Justin Fields that big of a... Big of a figure, that talented of a figure, can he overcome everything working against him? So after one day, 
I'd say yes, because he survived his rookie practice, his first rookie mini camp. But doesn't that feel like where we, maybe it doesn't feel like that to you, but it, taking a step back, it feels like it to me, that he has so much going against him, and he slipped in the draft, and here's something else you're hoping. If where he slipped in the draft and the Bears traded up to get him, you're now hoping that other GMs are as dumb as Ryan Pace. They're as bad as Ryan Pace. And there's ample evidence to prove that when it comes to quarterbacks, almost every GM is dumb when it comes to that. So that's another part of the hope that this guy on the field for the Bears was, in a sense, stolen, which would be the opposite of Mitch Trubisky. I look at it as, to your point, Justin Fields past day one of rookie minicamp. Now he just has four years to go. So that is every day in between that he is going to have to pass tests. And the the eyes are going to be a little bit deeper in his first few days. Another practice today mm-hmm. out at Hallis Hall and then... A bunch of guys speaking today, BTW, Larry Borum, Khalil Herbert, Daz Newsome, Matt Nagy will speak again today at 4.15. But, yeah, there, there is, you know, Ryan Pace did a good job in drafting Justin Fields and moving up, and it appears that most people believe he has gotten the right guy. And if it doesn't work out, then it's not gonna, he's not going to get hammered the way he did for Mitchell Trubisky. So, in other words... The real pressure is on Matt Nagy and the coaching staff. And you could say that it was because of the quarterback that he was given in Mitchell Trubisky. But Matt Nagy is an offensive coach who was a quarterback, who was a quarterback's coach, who was an offensive coordinator with Kansas City, comes here. So he is expected to be able to develop offenses and develop quarterbacks. And even though maybe he didn't have the pieces, he still that still goes on his resume. He still did not develop Mitchell Trubisky into a winning quarterback, and now they got to get it right. And here is the most succinct thing that I could come up with in terms of attempting to answer the question of what the plan is for Justin Fields was this quote from Matt Nagy. He says, once we know where his base foundation is, we can start to build off of that. Then it's going to be about how fast he can learn, what kind of plays and mistakes is he making in practice, it's just ultimately goes back to we'll all see it and we'll all know it. So it's that's still very ambiguous, but that's as close as I've gotten to an answer on how they're developing and how quickly he might be able to be on the field for the Bears. Sounds like some of it is truly, truly up to Justin Fields. I don't know that we'll all see it. Um, I think there would be two other... It looks like the NFL already told the Bears that he's starting game one, right? They put him on Sunday Night Football against the Rams. So it looks like the NFL determined that the the Bears' depth chart has fields as QB1 on week one. I don't think they're scheduling that for any other reason. And the idea that you get Sunday Night Football and there's Andy Dalton. Ooh. You know who I think determines the starting quarterback? You know who determines QB1 for game one? Do tell. Do tell. Tevin, Jen- Tevin Jenkins. Hmm, okay. And here's why. I think yeah. that that a guy who, you, you, Mike Gundy can say anything he wants. Bears can talk him up that he's a left tackle, and then that would mean that the Bears stole a first rounder and stole a second rounder. 
you steal a franchise quarterback and a starting left tackle and you do it in the, you know, later, you do it outside the top 10 in the first round and then you do it in the second round for a starting left tackle when their legitimate left tackles go in the first round, then you've done something. I think, though, that they insist on putting him at left tackle. They believe he can play it. His play will determine whether Justin Fields starts game one. Because if he can't, if it, if Tevin Jenkins is going to have problems, but he's going to stay at left tackle, then they're going to let Andy Dalton get killed because their investment in Andy Dalton is nothing. The last thing they want is to put Justin Fields there and let him get killed. And I know they were, one of the responses to that is, well, Justin Fields is far more mobile. And I said, yeah. And I will say yes. See Patrick Mahomes in the last year's Super Bowl for what happens when your tackle play sucks. So I think Tevin Jenkins will go a long way to determining whether Andy Dalton is the Sears crash test dummy, or if he can play that position, they will have greater confidence in putting Justin Fields there and and from the get-go and saying, that's it. Sorry, Andy. Thanks for showing up. You're still going to get your money, but we're going with the guy who's going to be here for 10 years, not for 17 games. Well that's put, man. The well, well put, yeah. I mean, I, and I had no idea that when the Bears drafted Tevin Jenkins in the second round that they were drafting their starting left tackle as, you know, somewhat of a surprise that Charles Leno was dismissed as quickly as he was. I thought he would be around for a while, for a little while longer, not necessarily the season. So he better work out at left tackle. And then I guess we have to expect or hope that Jermaine Effetti continues to play well on the right side. We can't forget about that either. And he did play well. Jermaine Effetti did play well in his six games, was it six or seven games at right tackle last year. He gave up probably a handful of hurries uh, or rushes, and he gave up, I think, one sack. Yeah, that's what it was. So you've got him, it looks like, starting per Juan Castillo, the offensive line coach. And then you have guys like Elijah Wilkinson, to provide depth or a potential starter as well. And then big, bad Larry Borum. <laughs> big, bad Borum. <laughs> I yeah, can't not say that name. I, right. I, hope, uh, yeah, I hope he's like, I mean, Tevin Jenkins is a wonderful character. You want him to succeed. This is a guy who comes to Chicago and says, do you guys have skyscrapers in Come Chicago? On. And he Come says on, it Tevin. With, he says it with a voice of a Muppet. It's like he was one of the Keebler elves <laughs> asking if Chicago has skyscrapers. But that doesn't... He knows they have... We knows we you have... You guys have skyscrapers? See, you sound like a Keebler elf at the end of that. All right, we'll, we'll discuss Tevin Jenkins and more Justin Fields and stuff like that. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Rohde. Uh, Saturday suckage like it ought to be. I should give you our starting lineup today. Well, that is our starting lineup. And here's we're filling out the, the bench players today. will be Cody Westerland. Covers the Bulls for the score. 11-20. And he's done covering the Bulls. <laughs> Their season ended last night. Mm-hmm. We will discuss with him that the, the questions now are, what do we learn and what do we trust? And we'll get to that with Cody. Uh, at noon, Jim Schwantz will be here. I had a thing you went with all of the overheated discussion, Mark, about schedules and and the schedules released. And here the Bears are going 25 and 0. I mean, it's the dumbest thing in the world. But sports editors demanded people want space and picking record and, and people want to fill space. 
I wonder what I always wondered what players thought about this. I never asked a player what what do you think about this whole schedule release thing, which is just as dumb as gender reveals. So I'm going to we are going to talk to Jim Schwantz about that. And what happens when you get a quarterback and a left tackle coming in and, and here's your here's your draft. What a, what a, what does he think about the defense? What's left of that? We'll talk to Jim Schwantz and then Cam Ellis will be here, Odyssey reporter. Uh, a favorite of ours. He uh, he is working for our company, and we'll talk some baseball and football with him. We're broadcasting from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. So Saturday suckage will take a break. Again, I apologize to the Wake and Bake Club for my absence the last month. I passed every drug test every drug test they gave me, and I, I'm truly sorry. I apologize. Fortunately, with the help of um, you know, one of Mark Grody's heroes. I was able to see the light and fail one so that I could get here today. So we'll talk about that later. In the meantime, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk about the Bulls. And Smoke we weed every day. Yes, yes. Thank you, Nate Dog. Thank you. That's very important. We're, we're the WB Club. We didn't want people to get lost along the way. So... This is a WB club like it ought to be, right, Mark? Isn't this? Isn't this? What Absolutely, we do? and what we I have just—I've just learned too that the real reason you're allowed to be here is because the boss is out of town. Spilkus is in Vegas with his twenty-one-year-old <laughs> yeah. uh, son, so that is—that is why you are allowed to be here today. He is none the wiser. You know, the first time I met Spilkus was in Vegas. What? Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to discuss that later because we're already okay. running late. But but that was that was the first time in a whole different life. Yeah, I didn't so, even realize. Is, honestly, I didn't even realize that Mitch, our boss, was a Vegas guy. He does. He does not seem like a Vegas guy, and I'm not a big Vegas guy either. So I, I don't know. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know that he is either. I, he wasn't then. It was. Um, well, we'll discuss it. We'll discuss right. it later. As long as Take he's out of town. And yeah, okay. Sorry, getting in trouble sorry, here. Sorry, I'm a little, yeah. little rusty. But what do you want yeah. for a guy who failed the drug test to finally get back here? <laughs> Saturday Suckage, of course. Chicago Sports Radio, 670, The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there. 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Billy, just what was your reaction to officially being eliminated from playing contention last night? Oh, yeah, obviously you're disappointed. You want to, you know, be able to still have an opportunity. But, um, you know, um, like I said, I think from from the beginning, at least when we talked about some of this stuff, even a few days ago, a few games ago, you know, some of this was out of our control. And all we could do is, you know, take care of what we could take care of. And they didn't take care of it. That is Billy Donovan, first-year coach for the Bulls. First year ended like last year. No playoffs for the Bulls. Score hotline. We're going to now, the man who asked that question of Billy Donovan, score hotline is brought to you by Alpamani Nissan. Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. Welcoming back to Saturday Suckage, Cody Westerland joins me and Mark Grody to talk about the Bulls. Thanks for coming on today, Cody. We appreciate it. How are you guys doing? We're doing better than the Bulls, but we, we both qualify. We both are disqualified from the playoffs. <clears throat> but I guess the question is, did we, are we surprised by this? Or in what way are we surprised that they did not make these expanded playoffs? I don't think we're surprised here in the recent short term. It's felt like this was coming ever since Zach Levine went out for, for three weeks and a couple of days from uh, the COVID-19 protocols. I think certainly in the big picture, if you'd look back to trade deadline day there in late March, I think you would say that we're surprised because on that day, the Bulls were in 10th place, which was inside the play-in picture, not not officially the playoffs. I think you got to get through the play-in round. You can't go around getting the 10 seed and losing one game and saying you made the playoffs. But the Bulls were in that picture to have a chance to reach the playoffs on trade deadline day when they added all-star center Nikola Vucevic. And it hasn't gone well enough since then. So, yeah, I think from that sense, it's surprising. But, you know, the NBA is it's always been a league of what feels like, especially, and I know the Bulls aren't anywhere near a championship level at all whatsoever, but it's like a rhythm of a season, right? Like the Bulls never really felt like they had a great rhythm all year, given their inconsistencies and just challenges on both ends of the ball at times. And then the trade, like they never found it. So, so I feel like it's been building to this, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a disappointment. Uh, I think it's surprising if you go back to trade deadline day that this Bulls team didn't um, finish as one of the top 10 teams in, in East that, might have been a little bit more competitive, but still is not good by any stretch of the imagination. Cody Westerland is our guest here on The Score. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you, broadcasting live from The Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. So, 
I, I asked this question. I know it goes in, in waves, Cody. Can, can Billy Donovan coach? And by coaching, I don't mean better than Jim Boylan because we all could do that. The Bills won 30 games kind of where I thought they would be this year. I hadn't re- changed anything since the trade deadline, which I thought was the trade acquisition of Vucevic, which I thought was terrific. So I probably would have raised that number. And then Levine misses 11 games. And what can Billy Donovan coach or is just anybody better than Jim Boylan? Where are we on that? Well, I think right now the answer to that would be uh, he's certainly better than Jim Boylan established. Um, a much better culture. These players love Billy Donovan, and I don't know how much of that is Billy Donovan being Billy Donovan and Billy Donovan being not Jim Boylan. Um, <laughs> but I think if, if you go back to like what he got criticized most for when he was in Oklahoma City, right, was probably high-level X's and O's, right? Uh, he had the year of Westbrook and Durant um, that uh-huh. didn't get by those Warriors. Uh, he had a couple early first-round exits. The Blazers beat his Thunder team one year that had uh, Westbrook and Paul George on it. Like, at the highest level, yeah, I think there are questions of Billy Donovan's can he coach X's and O's in-game decision-making. Bulls had some really poor third quarters this year. I think anytime a team has poor third quarters, it sometimes can point to the opposing coach making better halftime adjustments than your coach made. And certainly the Bulls had some talent deficiencies uh, as well. But there were times I think he was probably slow to react within games and just schemes and everything that he could have adjusted on the fly. So uh, I think the Bulls have certainly made progress in the coaching department. I think that's why it would be fascinating to have a full training camp for this team to see what he could do um, more from an X's and O's perspective. And we only saw it in spurts there, obviously, with Vucevic and Levine playing since the trade deadline not as much as the Bulls would have liked. So that question's still very much out there. You know what I mean? But, like, I don't think we should be worried about, like, can Billy Donovan coach yet when he doesn't have a roster that is capable of competing at the highest level yet. He doesn't have enough two-way players. Like, I think that's a conversation that if the Bulls get good and have more talent, um, or if the Bulls are just healthy next year, obviously, and have that training camp, like, I think the microscope, it's fair to say, goes on Billy Donovan more next year than it is this year because anytime you have a five-year contract and get paid a lot like the first year is a little bit of a honeymoon you know because like you said he's he's not Jim Boylan but that's a question that's certainly a, a fair one and I think the microscope goes on Billy Moore next year I'm way more interested in what Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley are going to do moving forward as opposed to Billy Donovan Cody what are his first moves or what are the first things that Arturis Karnaschovas and Eversley will do work on think about in this offseason because it feels like it's going to be a big offseason for the Bulls yeah I mean every offseason's big for a team I think this one's big for the Bulls because they still don't have a point guard and they really they really don't have two two wings they can count on either right like the small forward spot Uh, Patrick Williams started there a lot for the Bulls this year. He also started a little bit at power forward. And you look forward, I I feel like one of the things we've learned this year is Patrick Williams is a long-term power forward for the Bulls. I don't know that that means he's going to be that next year, but whether it's a starting small forward next year or whether it's a starting small forward for, for the future beyond that or 
a really good forward wing to bring off the bench you can rely on for 25, 26 minutes a night. The Bulls got to get that solved, and they got to get a point guard position solved somehow. Because I think the the things we have learned, Kobe White, really bright future, not a traditional um, point guard for this team, and is probably honestly best in kind of a hybrid role. Maybe that's six-man role. That doesn't mean he can't play with Zach Levine at times, but it just means he probably shouldn't be the starting point guard for 82 games next year for the Bulls. So they got to get those solved. Lonzo Ball's been on their radar before. The way Kobe White's played, obviously, late in the season, maybe that changes a little bit and redirects the Bulls' focus to just adding another wing and maybe a, a lower-cost veteran point guard because uh, Lonzo Ball is certainly going to want over $20 million annually in free agency, and I don't know if the Bulls are going to be able to afford that. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the questions. Hopefully we get them on the record next week behind a microphone uh, after the season ends Sunday night because they have a lot of questions to answer about how they're going to go about this because AK hasn't spoken about, you know, just the disaster of trading for Vucevic and then just plummeting in the standings and not getting into the play-in round. So uh, I'll be interested. The Bulls have options, too, with this roster, right, in the sense that they can remain an over-the-salary-cap team, and this gets into the nitty-gritty a little bit, but say they want to bring back, like, Daniel Tice with bird rights, they can stay above the salary cap and do that and use the mid-level exception, or they can really turn this roster over again. Um, And I say again, hinting at they did that on trade deadline day, obviously, with two trades. Like, they can let a lot of these guys go, or, like, you can offload someone like Tomas Sadoransky's contract is one that other teams, he can be a rotation player. Like, if you want to create a lot more cap space, the Bulls could do that too, but then they would basically gut their roster down to, like, four or five players um, and be an under-the-salary-cap team and just be adding with cap space. Um, and then it gets more difficult in, in other ways, certainly. So they, they have to decide what they're going to do there, and a lot of it has to do with who they're going to target. And we know Lonzo Ball's been the name before, but there's other veteran point guards out there. They've already been tied to, to Dennis Schroeder, the Lakers point guard, um, who has a big playoff um, performance coming up, I have, obviously with the Lakers being the defending champions and LeBron and AD um, needing some help with these late-season injuries they've been dealing with and everything. Like He's going to be in the spotlight. Kyle Lowry's a guy out there that certainly um, could be had probably, but be really expensive and maybe land on a different um, higher level contender. But like when you have point guard names out there like that, like it helps cycle and filter down the point guard options for you uh, as well. When there's more choices, obviously a big one in Jalen Suggs in the top three or four of the NBA draft as well is going to answer someone's question for that. And maybe the bulls get lucky and he's the answer to their question. If they get lottery luck, like that's the other big thing. So, um, the Bulls can keep their pick if uh, they get top four in the NBA draft lottery. Otherwise, anything other than top four, the Bulls are shipping it to the Orlando Magic. We're talking with Cody Westerland. He covers the Bulls for the score. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you on, as luck would have it, the score. So the, the Lowry marketing issue is vexing in that under Jim Boylan and just an idiot head coach and a guy who we, we found out later on a, wasn't it a finished podcast where Lowry Markinen was talking about, well, you know, he told me to go get 40 rebounds a game so I could get 40 more touches because there was a difference in that. And then I thought, well, this is going to change. Billy Donovan's smart enough to know how to make the most of them. And then there was the player end of it. And Billy Donovan seems like a coach, not to compare him to Phil Jackson, but 
some coaches, and Phil Jackson was one of them, will let the players figure it out, put it on them. You figure it out how to make yourself more valuable and better and more important to the team. And it just didn't happen. I don't know where the where the faith in Lowry Markinen is or could be. You see a guy that tantalizing with size and skills, and yet you've had him and he hasn't delivered. Where are you on him, or where do you think the Bulls are on him? I think they're low on him, and I think I would just let him go. Like, best-case scenario for the Bulls, right, is that there's someone out there in the NBA that thinks they can really turn him around, and they have a player on their team that you would like to put in your rotation, preferably maybe a younger player or something, and you can do a sign-and-trade, and then you feel like, oh, we didn't let Lowry Markinen walk for nothing, right? But that's going to be very difficult because a team has to want him at a certain price, um, and there's obviously always going to be bluffing involved as well. You know, when you're in restricted free agency with teams that are interested, thinking, well, if we give Lowry Markin in this offer, no way the Bulls match it. But the Bulls can bluff and say, yeah, we will, so you need to send us someone. But um, at the end of the day, I don't think Lowry Markin is going to be back with the Bulls. The only way I would see that happening is if, like, almost zero market like materialized for Lowry and his offers were so poor that the Bulls could bring him back on what they feel like is a low number or a discount of some sort, which I think is still possible, but certainly not probable whatsoever uh, at all. And I think it would be best for him to, it it would definitely be best for him. I think just to go to a new city at this point, because it just hasn't worked out, hasn't worked out under two coaches. And it's worth noting too, that like, Lowry Markkinen was not well utilized by Jim Boylan, but the best month of Lowry Markkinen's career came like two months after Jim Boylan took over as head coach. He had that torrid February stretch, and it's like, oh, this guy is a future all-star probably if he can um, develop at this rate. And then it's gone downhill from there. So, like, you can't blame everything that happened to Lowry Markkinen, like, on Jim Boylan when he's had two coaches and the best month of his career was actually under the coach that the Bulls players didn't end up liking. So I think a lot of it's on him, just to be honest. And um, he started the year pretty productive by way of shooting and producing points and being efficient from three-point range. But we're in, like, a historic offensive year in the NBA. So, like, Lowry Markkinen's offensive numbers upticking a little bit. Everyone's numbers in the entire NBA uptick this year for whatever reasons, just the way the game's being played and everything. So, like, to me, he didn't affect the game in enough other ways. I think the front office, well, they haven't said that. I think they probably agree he hasn't affected the game in enough ways out there other than just spotting up shooting threes because if he had, they would have had an agreement with him before the season started on his rookie scale extension, which never came to pass. So uh, I think he'd be gone. I think a team to keep an eye on, honestly, for, for Lowry Markman this offseason would be the San Antonio Spurs just because they should have cap space. Um, they're kind of in a weird transition period where they're not contending at um, a high level in the Western Conference, but they still want to, to build around young guys and kind of plan for the next generation. And I feel like he's the type of guy age-wise and skill set-wise that might be able to fit in there. Um, and they'll cap say, so that's one team I would look for um, to be interested this summer, but I don't think he'll end up coming back to the Bulls probably when it's all said and done. That's why the, the game the other day against Toronto was driving me crazy because Lowry looked so good, and that was like the little taste of what I think a lot of us in his rookie year thought he was going to be when he was he had six threes, seven of ten field goals, and I get it. Toronto had nobody out there, but still 
watching him, I was like, that that was the guy that we thought he was going to be and compete with Zach Levine for best player on the team. And that conveniently brings me to Zach Levine, Cody. And I I assume that he is the, the guy around whom and Vucevic, the Bulls, will build around. But is is it... Is there that little tiny possibility of the nuclear option still that that Zach Levine could be traded by the Bulls or no? Yeah, I mean when you're when you're at this spot and you're you're rebuilding, you're going thirty and forty in a year that was supposed to be a playoffs. It certainly exists, um, and it exists for this reason, right? He's going to be making nineteen point five million in the final uh, year of his contract next year, and he's producing at a rate that deserving of a max contract like that's going to be the going rate for Zach's next contract and you look at it and you see a lot of numbers and it's probably in the four years like 150 million ish range and if the front office like really somehow feels like there's no way they can contend at the highest level if he's on that contract yeah um, it's in play but I think it's really really unlikely the Nikola Vucevic trade I think cemented that the Bulls are going to try to be highly competitive um, next year around those two all-stars. Like, you don't trade for an all-star center um, and say he compliments your all-star shooting guard and then have, like, what? I mean, how many games have these guys played together? Ten or so, something like that, because Levine was out for three weeks. Um, probably 15 now, I guess. Um, they had that poor start at first after the Vucevic trade. But, like, you don't you don't just blow that up after you, you make that trade and give up two first-round picks. So, uh, to me, it's unlikely, but I mean, this is a group that's kind of surprised us, right? Like the Bulls aren't a team that leaks what they're going to do across the whole NBA other than kind of the Lonzo Ball, I think, interest. I mean, that's just kind of nothing you can keep under wraps there when the, when the Pelicans are open for offers and telling people kind of what they're getting, trying to drive the price up and saying, we all know the Bulls need a point guard and are interested. But um, the Bulls like did nothing in free agency last year. And then all of a sudden on trade deadline day just came out of nowhere to get Nikola Vucevic. So, like, they obviously can can surprise us and, and not tip their hand with what they're going to do. But I think it's uh, this is a team that's going to build around Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic next year and have the whole year, see how it goes. I, I don't expect any offseason trade, certainly, of Zach. But, uh, I mean, that's the thing with the Vooch trade, right? Like, you picked your path. Are you building around Zach Levine's age range there, 25, 26? and another in his prime all-star, or are you building around Patrick Williams' age range of being 19, going on 20, and keeping that uh, first-round draft pick and adding another 19- or 20-year-old? And the Bulls chose to go around Zach Levine, so it would be a big U-turn at this point um, to trade him, so don't expect that at all. And you got to keep in mind, like, I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I can't win a championship with Zach Levine. He's not a two-way player at a high level. Like, yeah, I agree with those things. But he is spectacular efficiency-wise on offense and averaging over 27 points per game. Like, you trot Zach Levine out there with what he does nowadays in his three-point percentage and getting to the rim um, and just being so efficient and finishing two-pointers at the rim, like, that is the start of a really, really good offense when you put Zach Levine out there. And that's a great building block to have to start with. So the Bulls would be taking a massive step back if they were to part ways with him on that. Cody, good stuff. As always, love having you on. Thanks for your time this season. We'll look forward to talking to you when the Bulls get the number one pick in the lottery. Because that's oh, the cannot wait. Cannot wait. I think that's six percent chance right now. So uh, say yeah, but Levine is Levine's sitting today, and he'll sit tomorrow, and they'll increase their 
their lottery chances. You watch. They'll get the ping the, pong ball. They'll, they'll do the, everything yeah. they can. But yeah, um, the, good talking to you guys. Iced envelope. Thanks, See you, Cody. Cody Westerlin yeah. covers the Bulls for the score. There we go. We'll we'll be done with that. Um, so the, the the winter tenants ended up kind of where we thought. No playoffs for them. And um, now it's the summer people. And there's some Cubs insanity I want to discuss with you, Mark. So we'll take a break. We'll come back and do that. Splendid. All right. This is Saturday Suckage Like It Ought to Be. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, the Wake and Bake Club. We're, we've issued the apology. I have issued the apology. And, um, in fact, it's a former Cubs great who is responsible for helping me get back on the air by helping me fail a drug test. Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. Fastball swung on and missed, strike three, and the Cubs win the ball game. Kimbrell strikes out the side, a dominant performance by him. The Cubs beat the Tigers 4-2. Jake Arrieta gets the win, and the Cubs snap a three-game skip. I started fast some years, started slow some years. Fortunate enough to be able to say that, that I played long enough to do both. But you know, this year is just one of those years. Um, you know, I'm really excited about our lineup still. We've been banged up like a lot of teams, trying to weather that. Uh, happy to see Jock do his thing and, and get comfortable again, and I'm, I'm trying to follow suit. Jason Hayward talking about Jock Peterson. Can't wait to see him single again. <laughs> Before that, a lot of opposite field. A lot of opposite field for something for I have something for Pat Hughes to do. That we'll have to get to at another point in time if I continue to fail drug tests and I'll be on the air um, uh-huh. on a regular basis. So we hope that happens. Um, your guy, Ryan Sandberg, by the way, was that the most surprising thing you ever read? Ryan Sandberg as a celebrity spokesman and investor in Verilife cannabis manufacturing? I think there's a lot of, a lot of guys and players and people that I would be surprised that would be representing the the cannabis corporations. So, yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Like I was saying about Spilkis earlier, who I don't feel like seems like a Vegas guy, I also Mm -hmm. feel like Rhino does not, at least on the surface, from what I know of him, seem like a weed guy. But, um, you know, he's endorsing it. It doesn't mean he smokes it. No, it's but he but he did. He tried out the product. That's what the Tribune story about Verilife was. That well, let's see, let me see the product. So he tried to say, hey, this is good. This works. Yes, that's why. <laughs> yeah. So many people <laughs> endorse it, but it's it's kind of like Dudley Do Right doing pot. I I never expected to see that. Uh, it's Smoke a, weed every day. Yes, that's what Ryan. Is he going to start want, calling our want, show like the way Toby does, like just intermittently I, and giving us his random thoughts? Well, we tried to get him. I, I immediately suggested it, and the response I got from um, Spilkus too was, "Well, we want him for a bigger show." All right. Well, I'm going to have Grody text him and have him come on, and then see where your pull is, dude. Anyways. Well, he came on with me a couple of weeks ago, so I don't know. Maybe I, you know, just stepped out text. of line there. But I text my guy Rhino, said, "Hey, can you come on with me?" And he did. So I feel like okay. I have that kind of power. I think it's tremendous, and I think it, when when you get a Boy Scout like that stepping up and and, and you're you're doing a wonderful job of de- of legitimizing the whole thing. So if you can get him on, we got we got okay. one o'clock hour open, and we'll show you what a big show is when we get the. Hall of Famer and the uh, and the Reefer Hall of Reefer will get him too. <laughs> so, 
Anyways, I want to thank, you know, the marijuana for helping me fail a drug test finally. So the insanity that the Cubs are engaged in is this. This is what is confounding. Chris Bryan has 10 home runs, one of eight in the majors with double in double figures and homers. His 24 extra base hits lead the majors. His 667 slugging percentage leads the majors. His 2.1 war is fourth in the majors. He's unsigned. He doesn't have a contract. He appears to be trade bait. Although Craig Kimbrell looks like he might be bigger trade bait by the Cubs who tend to be quitting on this whole season. I'm surprised Craig Kimbrell wasn't traded between the second and third out in the ninth inning. But this looks to me like the like Tom Ricketts, who could sell a rooftop and try, try to help pay for Chris Bryant. It looks like he's going to be, he's going to own the position player version of the Maddox insanity. That guy's going to walk. And that's mm. where it is. This is what this feels like to me, where Tribune Company and, and, and Larry Himes and all, all of that wonderful, managerial, spectacular stupidity. There you go. For, they tried to force the guy into making a decision real quick. I got money to spend, Larry Himes said, and that's it. So he went and had a multiple Cy Young career and World Series, and he and and this is what this looks like. Although Bryant's older, this has this echoes that for me. What do you so think about? So you think about? Chris Bryant is going to go on to win four Cy Young awards? That's what's going to happen. I, I think the, so. The I think it's, it's yes. pretty much of a gimme. Um, but but I think that we've seen for we've seen what kind of Ball player he is. I mean, yesterday yeah. looked like 2015, 2016, didn't it? With with Jake Arrieta as a stopper and Chris Bryant going oppo and oh. and hitting home runs and being as effortless. This this looked like when you were when you were um, doing Cubs. Absolutely, and you know Rizzo with that sweet looking double off of a lefty to bring a, a guy around. I think Jock mm-hmm. Peterson should be watching that. That's that's how you hit a lefty kid. So here's where I am with it. I'm all, I'm okay with the Cubs trading Chris Bryant, but if they get anything like they got for you, Darvish, then that's awful. That's ridiculous because while the guys that they traded you, Darvish, and received back from the Padres, who knows what will happen with them? Maybe one of them will become a star someday on the surface. They knew they weren't getting any super prospects out of that, and they still allowed that to happen. Like the one of the the runner-up for Cy Young brought in nothing that we know of. If that happens with Chris Bryant, then that's ridiculous. If if there are like prospects, major league level guys that we know of that we know can eventually be stars in big league baseball, then I'm all for it because I'm I I have I think I was like Theo Epstein in that I had a hard time with the idea of them breaking up the core that had won the World Series and that had been to the playoffs in subsequent years and failed in the postseason in subsequent years. I could see why it was very difficult for them to break things up, but then I became, I'm on board with it now. Something had to change, and Chris Bryant is the guy that can get you something. But if you get like what you got for you, Darvish, then I'm out. Well... I think that's where you're going to end up with a bunch of guys who need a treat parent to uh, to wrangle them and and get them in get them to the little league game on time. That's the way it's going to go. 
It seems to be the history. The Cubs haven't made it. Cubs have made it known they're desperate and they'll take less than than whatever you think you have to give. That's what the Darvish, that's what the Darvish deal showed them. So, and if your major league player in return is Zach Davies, who, ooh, okay. All right, let's take a break and let's get back to football. Let's get back to the Bears. Schedule was released and the draft was made and the new quarterback showed up and. So we'll see what a, uh, let's talk to a former player, what he thinks about all those kinds of goings on, what it means in the greater scheme of things, and what it means to, and we'll talk about the Bears defense as well, is that window closed or not? I'm Steve Rosenblum, he's Mark Rohde, thanks for joining us on Saturday Suckage in the Wake and Bake Club. Rhino's a, Rhino's, Mark, Rhino's part of the Wake and Bake Club, we love Rhino, even more now. Maybe not today, but we'll get him. I promise you, I will. Rhino will be on this show, even if it yeah. is on a Saturday. Okay? Yes, right. And he needs his own strain of pot, right? Rhino, Rhino needs his own strain of pot. We'll have to come up with that. All right? Okay. Texters? Chicago Sports, yeah. Chicago Sports Radio. Chicago Sports Radio. Six seventy. The score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.